You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. So this morning, I want to talk about the mysteries of the heart. And really, there's two mysteries of the heart. There's the mystery of our heart, which only God knows the truth of our heart. And then then there's the mystery of God's heart, which he reveals to us, which we were talking about earlier this morning. And it's so interesting. Um, I was telling everybody uh, this morning when I was opening up, or I don't know, during prayer. At some point, I said this this morning. I don't know if y'all heard it or not, but you're going to hear it again. I got a text and uh, that, you know, about a situation. And I said, I have no understanding. And I felt like God was like, really? You have no understanding? I didn't even ask for understanding. I just immediately sent back, I have no understanding. <laughs> and God's like, uh, yeah, I have all the understanding that you need if you'll just ask me what it was, what it is. And I'm like, yes, yeah, sometimes I forget the very simplest of relational oneness with Christ that I have because my brain responds before my heart engages. And really that is part of the mystery of our hearts is, is where do we go to first? Do we go to the spirit of the Lord first or do we come out of our natural reaction or our flesh or whatever we want to call it out of our head, whatever we want to call it. And so that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the mysteries of the heart. And uh, last week I was in Milwaukee. I always miss being here, but it was really fun because I go up there, you know, at least once or twice a year. But their church is like our church. Their church that is hungry for God. The people are just, uh, you know, devoted to his heart and what he wants. They're, they're looking for more. They're looking for a way to grow, to engage, to just really have a greater oneness with him. And uh, it's great to, you know, just to go other places and see that there is a stirring of hunger and desperation for what God has for each one of us and for what he has for us corporately. Uh, and that's kind of, I mean, it's encouraging to see because when you come back, you're like, there are other people like us. You know, sometimes we feel like we're isolated and alone or we're the only ones when really God has a whole vast army around us that are like us, that are searching. And even that song, that's part of the reason I did this morning, that song that he says he reigns because it says from the African plains to the Asian, to the underground church. There are people around the world desperately seeking not only the oneness of Christ, but they're desperately seeking what God has from his kingdom on this earth in their lifetime. And what they're preparing for the generations to come because of what we're doing now. Our work now is a prep work for the generations to come. It is preparing the way for them. So it's, it's kind of exciting when you think about it because God has, you know, he has all these facets going at the same time. And we're getting these little deposits, these little pieces. And as, as Pastor Gene said this morning, as we put our pieces together, we're getting 
bigger pictures and greater understanding and direction and all these different kind of things. So it's kind of fun to, um, you know, travel and just see what else is going on. But I just want to start with just some of the basics of God's heart for us. What, what has been the mystery revealed to us from God about him, about us? We're just going to read a couple of scriptures on that. Then we're going to talk about where's our heart with him. What's the mystery being hidden in our heart right now? So we're just going to start with Genesis 1, and we're just going to hit on some of just kind of the basic 101, God's heart for us. Sometimes I have to go back and remember. I've been doing that a lot lately, going back and remembering what God has done and what he said and who he is. And sometimes when I remember who he is, then it helps me stay true to who I am. And who he's called me to be. So verse 26, Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Now, when you think about that, the heart of God was that we would look like him. That we would be made in his image. He didn't make us in the image of a cat or a dog. He didn't make us in the image of a tree. He made us in the image of the living God. That was his heart for us, that we would be like him. Now, can you even wrap your head around the very thought that we were made to be like God? You're like, that's a good word. God, you did really good there, right? According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. So we have not only been made in his image, but we have been blessed by him. And we've been given authority over everything by him. Then he blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over every fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So not only are we fruitful, we produce fruit that is good, but we have the ability to multiply, to live out of abundance. Because God is a God that has no lack He's a fully provisional God for us. So we have not only been blessed to be in his image, we've been blessed to have the fruitfulness that he can produce. We have been blessed to have the authority that he's given us. So his heart for us was to operate like him. I need more than one amen. amen. Okay. If you say amen, that means you actually agree with what the word says. Okay, okay. Because it's a, it's, it is a big bite. When we think about what his intent is for us, that we are to operate the way he operates, the way he thinks, the way he multiplies, I don't have to worry about just having a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. I don't have to worry about only having five 
breads and fish and loaves. I don't have, because I have the ability to be in his likeness and I have the ability to be fruitful and multiply what is in my hand. So everything that God's heart has given me, what his heart is for me, is that I will operate the way he operates. So I have dominion over everything. I have dominion over the sphere of influence he's given me. I, I, like Sarah just testified, I have dominion to pray them healing, salvation, and deliverance or pray them out. And because they didn't conform to God's call for them, he moved them out and took away the chaos and destruction and anxiety that was happening at her office and brought in peace. We are made to operate like God. Yes. I mean, that's a, that's a big word. That is a big word. God's heart for us is that we would move like he moves. In him, I have my life. I have my breath. I have my being. Oh, God. Let's look at Psalms 137, 17. We're, like I said, we're just going to look at a few Psalms. I mean, a few scriptures. Because what I want to do is build us up and stir up and dust off and brush off the cobwebs of what we know is true, but may have gotten a little dormant within us. It may have taken a shelf life and needs to be pulled off the shelf and stirred up because I've got a project in front of me and it's to overtake every demonic forces that have been set up against me and my household and my office and my neighborhood and my town. That, that is, so I need to stir up the gifts inside of me. I need to stir up the image of God in me, the Holy Spirit that lives in me. I need to stir that up and remind myself that I am operating from a holy God perspective because the blood of Jesus has already bought and opened the door for me to enter into the most holy place, to be able to live from the heavenly realm in the spirit. And everything I do comes from up above, not down below. So that when I operate on the earth, I'm operating from a spiritual realm. Shoo. This may be a screaming Sunday. You know what it is? I'm just so excited. Sometimes my own self needs to be stirred up. I'm serious. You know, sometimes I woke up yesterday and uh, I don't know what happened. Friday I was fine. Yesterday I woke up and I was a little bit in a funk. And I'm going down to the park to go for a walk. I forget my tennis shoes because I always wear my flip-flops down. So, and then I had to blow my horn at somebody. <laughs> Then I told Chuck, I said, we got to run some errands. I said, but be aware <laughs> that this may not go well. <laughs> I just was like, snap out of it. And uh, I was watching Stella, my little three-year-old the other day. And uh, she says, Cece, I may need some chocolate milk so I can feel better. <laughs> I, told, I told Chuck, I said, I may need an almond croissant so I can feel better. <laughs> So I ate almond croissant. Did I feel better? No. But for that momentary moment, 
<laughs> and then finally, it shook off. But you know, sometimes you just wake up and your flesh is not in agreement with who God has just said you are. And you have to stir yourself back up and say, I am not leaning into the flesh, though I leaned on the horn. <laughs> I did. I mean, it just, I never even thought about it. She came whipping out. I was like, Eah! I was like, yes, that was so holy. <laughs> Let me go ahead and extend the grace of Christ to you. <laughs> but you know, sometimes you have to get your flesh back under control because my heart was deceitful above all things yesterday. It was not, oh, Jesus, I am so into you. Well, I worshiped and I prayed and I got my car and blew my horn and forgot my shoes. You know, <laughs> then I needed an almond croissant. To eat. Maybe I just need to repent and pray. I don't know. But almond croissant came up first. But <laughs> I know, but you know, that is, that is what we're battling here. God's heart for us is I am in his image. I am in his likeness. I am to operate the way he operates, which means I heal the sick and I raise the dead. It means that when I go down the road and I sense the demonic in this area, that I command it to leave because that is my territory. Not blow my horn at it. Not that she was. But you know what I mean. You, you, I, I just had a hard time getting back in order. The right order, God's order, that he is First, his heart is for me. He created me in his likeness and I'm operating like the devil when I'm declaring he is my God. And sometimes we have to stir up what's inside of us when we recognize that what's coming out of us doesn't look like what's inside of me. And it did not look like it. But then finally, Chuck was like, Phew. and not only that, let me just go ahead and complain. The U.S. Open is on. Well, I have Spectrum. Spectrum and ESPN are in a fight. There is no U.S. Open. I'm having to watch it on my phone. Not the same, but I'm sure they'll get deliverance too. I don't know. But that's a big one, big one. So anyhow, I know it's funny, but it's true. You know, we have those little things that just irritate us. And the irritation is not because we aren't, we're, we're not, aware that we're made in his image is because we become unaware in a moment of fleshly aggravation, which causes us to respond like our unsaved neighbors that we're praying for. So they look at us and go, Ooh, we got some stuff there. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, we're supposed to be in the likeness of Christ, releasing his glory, the light, you know, the city on the hill, all these things. And I was a tunnel in the darkness, you know. So, I mean, that's where we've got to sometimes we have to shake it up and stir it up and dust it off and remember who we are. And the mystery of God's heart for us is that we reflect him in all that we do because he lives in us literally, literally. So Psalms 139, 17 through 18. So there's my confession, guys. I did repent, believe me. Uh, how precious, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Just think about, you know, it, it, all through scripture, he talks about what he thinks about us. I know the plans and thoughts I have for you. The plans to prosper. All through scripture, he describes who we are. You know, he says that his 
thoughts are toward us. He's saying, my thoughts are towards you. How great is the sum of them? Can you imagine? It says, if I should count them, they would be more in the number than the sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. Just think of going out on Clearwater Beach and trying to take a handful and count every grain of sand and saying, this one is God's thought for me. This one is God's thought. We would be there to the end of our lives trying to count the thoughts of God for us. How he has seen us before the beginning of time. And when we were born, he knew us. And when he knew us, he knew that he had a heart for us to be not only in his image, but to be transformers for the kingdom on his behalf so that others would be able to see the glory of God through us. The glory of God through us. Verse 23. It says, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, that's a scripture that's a good spirit check for us. Because if you say, search me, oh God, he will. When you don't say, search me, oh God, he is. And he gives us those nudges of where we are just off a slight hair. And I remember I preached on this maybe about two years ago about um, when they're flying a plane, if they don't have the directional set exactly, if it's one degree off, and I forget the illustration, but it was going from California to New York. If it was one degree off, they end up in, in some other place, like Virginia or something. I, I had it, but I don't have it right now. But that's what happens. If we're one degree off, that one degree, if we don't say, God, search me. If there's something in me, highlight it so I can get it out of me. Because if we're one degree off, that one degree leads to two, leads to three. Because once we become numb to the one degree, then it allows another degree to come in. Then we become numb to that. And then it allows another one to come in. And next thing you know, we're numb to the word of God because we were numb to the first indicator that says, turn back to me. Turn back to me. Wait a minute, you're off here. Turn back to me. We got numb to it and it allowed other sins, other thought lives, other distractions to get in the way. And next thing you know, we were here with God and all of a sudden there becomes a vast chasm between us and him. And we know he never leaves us and forsakes us, but he is calling us back and we're still going in that way. So it's, we got to keep whatever it is, we got to keep that list clean. And that, like I said, that's a good scripture to uh, do like a heart check on. Every so often, just search me, oh God. Because yesterday morning, I need to be searched. I need to be patted down. I might even need to be locked up for a little while. <laughs> I don't think I gave this to Noah, but this is one that I, this is one of my favorite scriptures out of Jeremiah 31, 3. It says, the Lord appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Isn't that a beautiful I mean, it's just like this sound bite, just one tiny grain of sand of God's thought toward us. 
And he loved us so much that he gave us his only son. He loved us so much that he knew it would cost him his son in order to redeem us as one with him. That is his heart for us. That's what he desires. He just desires, you know, run away from all things that lure you into a life that I never planned for you. Run, run, run to me. Let's go to Matthew 13. We're going to start in verse 10. This is, this is uh, when you read these scriptures, all I can think about is the goodness of God. He is so good to us. And even when we forsake him or get distracted away from him, he is so good to us. Verse 10 out of Matthew 13, and he's shared about the parable of the sower. And I'm not going to read the whole parable, but it says in verse 10, the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you. Say, I have received. I have received. It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. For whoever has to him, more will be given. You're going to get more. That's the word that Gene gave us this morning. He, he's given us more. Why didn't he give it to us a year ago? Because today is the day for more. And he will have abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see. Why don't they see? Because their heart is hardened toward what God is trying to show them. This, this little phrase of hearing and seeing, it is all through scripture. It's in Isaiah. It's in 1 Corinthians 2. It's like hearing they can't hear. Seeing they can't see. Think about all the 5,000 plus women and, and children that he fed and taught for days and days. When he was done and their temporary need was satisfied, they left. They left. John 6 talks about, you know, they all begin to leave when it gets too hard. When the word of God gets too hard, it's too hard to understand. It's too hard to respond to, to obedient to. When it starts getting hard, when you're actually being challenged in what the word of God says and how you're going to live and who you're going to live with, that's when people, it's the seeds. That's when people begin to break away. It was sown on shallow ground. So there's nothing to pull the seed down and help it get roots. It, you know, what I know is Jesus loves me, but I still love to go to the pornography shop across the street. Well, when I hear the, the condemnation from God saying that is not for you and, and his word is not deep in my heart, my flesh decides to go on Though God's heart is pulling me toward him. When it gets too hard. That's when the chasm begins. And you know what else I was thinking about? Jesus is all about relationship. 
And you know that God is God and we bow down and we honor him and we revere him and we, 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 you know, treat him holy, holy God. But Jesus is calling us into relationship. And we all know that we've been in relationships that are not seated deep in our heart. And we know that there are people that we hang around with, whether it's at our workplace or happen to live in our neighborhood, that we would not share the mysteries about us. We would not tell the very deepest things. We wouldn't even tell the minimal stuff about us because their heart is not seated. They can't be trusted with the mysteries of our life. Jesus is saying, can I trust you with the deep mysteries that I want to reveal to you? Are you in a relationship with me that I can open my heart fully and give you deep things that you can nurture and that you can feed on and that you can grow on and then you can release onto other people? Can I trust you with the depth? Do you have friendships where you can trust with the very depth? I know Marquita and Michelle have known each other forever and a day. I can tell you, they know the depth of each other. They know where they struggle. They know where they celebrate. They're such good friends that they can sense when one another ain't right. And then they're all over them, whether it's prayer correction. I mean, it's prayer correction. You need someone that will be all over you, whether it's prayer correction. You need someone who can say, Pastor Cindy, that ain't right. I got someone. I might have two. But, you know, you've got to have someone that helps you steward the heart of God in his image. Called to do what he does. Jesus is looking for that depth of relationship from all of us. His disciples, he said, I have revealed the mysteries to you. But those people, I can't trust with it. They've been coming up with all kinds of new theology, which we have seen. You get a word, and next thing you know, we got a new Bible. I mean, we've seen it. He's looking for someone who is so desperate for his heart that he can share the very depth of heaven with you. And that's always my heart. I'm like, God... Share with me. Verse, uh, thir- uh, I think that says 13. It says, therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. I don't want to be someone spoken to in parables. That scripture in uh, Exodus where it says, not my friend Moses, I think it's, Uh, maybe it's in Numbers, Numbers 11 or 13. It says, not my friend Moses. I don't speak to him in parables. I speak to him face to face because he is my friend. That's what we want. We want God to speak to us face to face because we are his friend, that he can trust us, that if he gives us something, we say yes and we go. We don't waffle. We don't wrestle. We just say yes and we go. We are on a, uh, I was thinking about, when I first got my first car, I got a Mercury Capri 
I'm sure you don't know what that is. You can Google it. They don't make them. I hear somebody back there might know what it is, but it had a radio in it. And then my next car had an eight track. And then my next car had a cassette. Then I bumped up to a CD. But now I'm wireless. When you think about our relationship with Jesus, you know, we start out with the radio. We're trying to do the antenna so we can hear a little better. Then we get some teaching. We've got a little eight track. It's a little, it drags a little. Sometimes you have to take the pencil and tighten it up a little bit. And each, but God has called us into a wireless relationship with him. Spirit to spirit, we live his spirit to our spirit first. Our flesh and our soul come afterwards. The spirit guides and we go right behind him. But he's looking for friendships that he can, that love him, that are obedient to him, that he can trust. That will run with what he gives you with integrity and with character and with oneness in him. <laughs> he's looking to be our center. He's good in him. He's good to us. Uh, I want to share one other little thing and then we're going to wrap it up. Um, I had a word uh, Friday night, which I gave, and uh, I'm going to give it again because I felt like it was an important word. It kind of goes with what uh, both Pastor Gene and Matt both shared. But um, I feel like part of this stirring up and dusting off and, and aligning ourselves with who God's called us to be, part of this is because what Matt mentioned is we've got a tsunami coming. And the only way we're going to survive everything that goes on is if we're in a oneness, understanding the heart of God for us and understanding where the heart in us isn't aligned with that. And it's a, it's a big deal. And all the things that we're doing that don't align with the word of God, that we think, oh, that's okay. Oh, that's okay. I just, you know glanced at that. It's really okay. I really didn't mean to talk about my neighbor, but I did. You know, I mean, you know, when you think about it, all the things that come out of our mouth that we don't realize are actually against the word of God. All the dialogues that we run, the narratives that we run in our head because something's happening and we're trying to process through how we're going to respond when they call and what they actually said and how I should have responded. All of those things, they are not of the spirit of wisdom. When things occur in our workplaces, in our offices that are against what God believes, what, what God designs, we have to remember most of our workplaces are not Christian workplaces. So we can be the light against the darkness or we can agree with the darkness and go in the muddle. I heard Chris Valentin say, and I, I may have, I, think, I know I said, let me walk. I think that's when I first heard it. But he said, gossip, no, complaining is to the devil what praise is to God. So when we complain and gossip, and talk about whether it's the president or the Waffle House across the street that doesn't exist anymore. But, you know, I hop them. When we complain, then what we're saying is I am aligning myself with the devil because my mouth is aligning with what he would think is a good thing. The complaining, the gossip, the cursing, all of that. 
when I do that, I'm saying that my alliance right now in this moment is with the enemy. When I praise, my alliance is with God. When I take authority, my alliance is with God. When I'm taunted to get into an ungodly conversation or ungodly way of thinking, then I have the ability to overcome that taunt and realign with God. I have the ability to shut the mouth of the enemy. Or I have the ability to agree with him. And I believe that that's part of what God is calling us to do is just dust off. Recalibrate. Make sure that our hearts are clean before the Lord. And we know that we know that the we know that the that our flesh wants to agree with something that's unholy. But uh, we know that our spirit has given us the power to overtake any agreement our flesh is trying to make. Right. So uh, the word that I had was that it is a builder season. And one of the, uh, the, the things that the Lord talked to me about was out of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah 6.15, I didn't give this to you, Noah. But what he was telling me, and, and this was interesting because Pastor Gene talked about it too. Sometimes it's a seed. So Nehemiah had a seed in his heart about the walls of Jerusalem being torn down. And from that seed became a, a fulfillment of what God had for Jerusalem in order to bring the walls up. But the word is, is that the walls of Jerusalem were completed in 52 days after being in destruction, I think for 70 years. I tried to find the exact amount, but it was right around there. And they were rebuilt in 52 days. And what's interesting, I'm going to read the scripture, Nehemiah 6, 15 and 16. But it's in this month that they were rebuilt. So it says, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elu. And you know that that is actually, I looked it up, September 11th is the 25th day. So, uh, so it's still coming in 52 days. And it happened when all the enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. For they perceived that this was the work of that, that this work was done by the, our God. So the word for you today, for us today, is that there is an acceleration of things that you have been praying over, been waiting on, been looking to. There's an acceleration of completion for that. And that the enemy that has tried to dissuade you, whether it's a physical enemy or spiritual enemy, is going to be disheartened and, and confused by it because they're going to recognize that God has moved on your behalf, that there has been favor shifted in your direction to complete a work that should have taken years and years and years in the future. But God is saying that work is ready to be done now. And in July, both uh, Pastor Jean and I gave a word, it was July 2nd sermon, but about how God is pulling the mason jars off the shelf. He's dusting the top and he is opening up. And as they pop open, the release of your promises that have been held in that mason jar for years and years and years are being poured out. So I want us to grab a hold of this word and know that the Lord is moving quickly on our behalf. 
and that there are things that are going to move into completion over the next few months that you thought won't work till 2024 or 2025. And God said, no, it is now. We are moving it now. So, so, so know and understand that you've got to grab a hold of what's been released in order to get the fulfillment of what God's going to do. You can't just say, oh, that was a good word. Great job. You got to say that 52 day acceleration, whether it's literal or not, I'm grabbing a hold of the acceleration and I'm going to open up my mason jars and I'm going to pour them out and I'm going to trust God to fulfill what he has promised me in a very short period of time. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, let's stand. Let's pray. Uh, and I just want to end with this one other thing. Uh, while I was up in Milwaukee, God gave me these, these three phrases for me to remember. And I've been, I wrote them down. And, um, but God is my source, right? God is our source. The word is my weapon. And the body is my army. So God is my source. The word is my weapon. And this is his army. Amen. Amen. So, Father, I just thank you that your heart is for us. And this was almost uh, a message to lure us into the awe and wonder, the childlike that Pastor Jean was talking about, moving us into that childlike wonder that our God, our God, our Father is for us. And his heart has unfolded so many mysteries that we are created in his image, that, that we are made in his likeness, that we are uh, equipped to do what he would do. So, Lord, I'm just asking you to search our heart over the days. And if there are things that are not aligned with you, Bring them quick to our attention so we can repent and get back in alignment with you. And God, as we follow you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, everything within us, let us receive this uh, word of, of acceleration, this word of childlike wonder and rest, and that the revelation that you have for us to solve the mysteries in this season, for this region, for our own personal lives, Lord, uh, that, that we will not only recognize them, but we will act upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.